Next Thursday is November, and that's not cool. I always hated it when you got the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror, and it's like November. That's a huge bummer. Except that hasn't happened in a long time. I haven't watched the Simpsons <laughs> in a long time. It's been in October for like the last five, six years. Yeah, I've been out of that game longer than that. God. Cat is going crazy. Well, that's one of the signs of Halloween, I believe. Yeah, eight crazy cats. Eight crazy cats. <laughs> When's that gonna be a horror movie? It's just called Eight Crazy Cats. Eight Crazy Cats. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine they're just like normal, and the guy is insane. Wow. <laughs> is that like the twist at the end? Yeah. They're really nice kids, but he's insane. It's, it's deep, man. Uh-huh. So, uh, Halloween is always a pretty special time on our blog, because in, it's a month that has John posting 31 movie <laughs> reviews. Yeah. And it's kind of strange, because I don't feel like the rest of us are that big on horror movies. But one of us is really big on them. Yes. <laughs> I have to represent, because we're weak. We're weak in that one department. <laughs> we have to be strong all around. Yeah, I don't know why I love uh, horror movies so much. I think I just love that the overall goal of a horror movie is to scare and thrill you. It wants you to have like um, an immediate reaction to something surprising. It strives to be unpredictable, though it sometimes it isn't in bad ones. Uh, but good horror movies, you know, they thrive on fear of the unknown. I also like that they're atmospheric. You know, it, it, it like takes you to a skewed version of the world and automatically places you into that world. I mean, unless it's something like Leprechaun 4 in space. I don't imagine, I don't picture myself in that world, but still. Uh, good horror movies take the mind to dark places. I like horror movies because... They seem so much more liberated than all other kinds of movies uh, in the way they they can go about their storytelling. Like, uh, Colin and I just watched Cabin in the Woods uh, a couple days ago, and that goes in a pretty bizarre direction, and it ends on a really down note. Is that the Johnny Depp one? What's that one? I have actually cabin in the woods. Secret window. Yeah, it's a cabin in the woods. Why did Sean and Colin get together watch Secret Window? (laughs) It's really good, you know. I'm pretty sure that movie's not good, right? I saw it in theaters, and it was. I wasn't really concentrating on the movie. (laughs) Okay, but you guys like Cabin in the Woods. Yeah, Uh, Yeah. like I was. I I like the. 
horror movies can go and be dark and do, you know, like you said, the unexpected. Because uh, I feel like a lot of the movies I see uh, that... I mean, because horror movies aren't... They're not usually art movies either, you know? They're big money-making movies, and yet they get away with being a lot more interesting than, you know, your typical action movie. Yeah. Of course, there is a horror art house scene. I don't of think course. we'll be delving too much into that, but uh, it's it, it's amazing how many, like, sub-genres of horror movies there are. Like, once you get into it, it's pretty, like, astounding, like... Seriously, that one thing, like, there's a whole bunch of movies based around, like, there's a whole bunch of movies just based around melting. Yeah. <laughs> Melt great. movies. I've seen one called now, The Incredible about... Melting Man. Okay, so it's about things that melt people. Just things that melt. Just things there's that all melt sorts in of general? sub-genres. Christploitation, Ozploitation. I'm all about Christploitation. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we'll have too much of that. I guess maybe I should throw out some honorable mentions then, for some because there's a lot of movies that I considered, uh, and that reminds me of The Omen, which is one I didn't put on the list, but I would, I think, deserves an honorable mention. That's a good one from Richard Donner. Uh, let me see what are some other good ones that we don't have. Did on we the watch list. the original not too long ago? Yeah, we did last mm-hmm. summer. Maybe it's not just a dream. It's not just a no. dream. <laughs> it happened, and that is a good one. Uh, also, Nightmare on Elm Street's a good one. Inventive concept, but. A little too fantasy-based for me. 20 Days Later, uh, Nosferatu, I'd recommend both versions. Pretty good. The Haunting, maybe one of the best, not, not the Owen Wilson one, <laughs> the, the oh. original. Maybe the best movie about ghosts I've ever seen. Sixth Sense, maybe the best movie about ghosts of Bruce Willis I've ever seen. <laughs> also, I don't know, what else? Birds, Wicker Man, Thing. We don't have Jaws on here, which is a popular one. Do you guys consider that a horror movie? See, I had trouble deciding what was a horror movie and what's a thriller. Me too. That is the story of my life. I have no... It's it's, it's, it's really... It's very well, difficult. That's the story of your life. There's actually, I think, one of these movies where I will delve into that deeper. So, when we get there. Yeah, I don't know. Jaws, I mean, it's definitely... I guess it's a horror movie. It just... It has that Spielberg touch that just makes me feel like it's a Spielberg adventure movie. Like Jurassic Park or something, you know? Like, I wouldn't say that's a horror movie. It's... It's tough. Um, and, like, m- most Hitchcock movies, I feel like, are more thriller than horror. Yeah. Pretty much all of them are thrillers rather than horror, except for Psycho and the Birds, basically. I'd agree with that, yeah. And maybe we can, during this podcast, we can kind of find out why. Maybe we'll come to that epiphany, or maybe we'll be like, uh, uh, uh. Yeah. I but I, I, though I do think this conversation will be more interesting with Jaws out of it because I feel like if Jaws was on here, it'd be up pretty high just because it's a pretty good movie. So yeah. let's let's see where this takes us and let's go uh, with our first one, which is Alien. We've talked about our appreciation for this before when we discuss sci-fi movies. Though I think it might even apply more appropriately for this conversation, personally. Yeah, and... And here's another one where it's sequel Aliens. It, like, I guess that's probably not a horror movie, but it, is it a thriller? Is it an action movie? I don't know. I guess... Well, I definitely would say it's an action movie. It's just an action yeah, movie? Yeah, yeah. Well, because... Because there's not as much of a fear factor in that movie. The yeah. aliens aren't as menacing. And that's what I love about that first Alien movie. It's like, you've seen, you know, what m- murderers can do. 
but they're just regular people. This is a fucking alien that will tear you apart, and no one on the ship can do really anything about it. I mean, that's that's pretty terrifying. I just felt like I didn't really consider it a horror movie until I saw Aliens. You know what I mean? And then when I saw Aliens, I realized, like, it's it's just such a totally different movie. I was just expecting from all the things... Everyone's like, oh, you got to see Aliens. You got to see Aliens. But I might as well watch Alien first. And I actually liked um, Alien better. Yeah, me too. I think we all just, do, right? I think yeah. we all prefer the <laughs> first movie. And it's just so... It's, it's so... It's so much different. And I felt like realizing that it's a horror movie just kind of makes it... I don't know. Am I making any sense at all? No, no, totally. I, I, get, <laughs> I get what you're saying. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think... It, it just kind of follows the mold more of a horror movie. It, it, you know, it has like those peekaboo, uh, like, bah, there's something jumps out at you. It's like yeah. got the same beats as kind of like a horror movie, and it follows the same kind of rhythm. Uh, I mean, this, it's set up as sci-fi, but it might as well be like a haunted house or something, you know? It's just like yeah. the setting. Uh, and then there's, bah, there's stuff jumping out at you. <laughs> and what I love about Alien, why I think it works so well, is that it doesn't cop out and say, oh, it's just like a shoe that fell down or something. You usually get to see it. Usually when they have those moments, it, like, jumps out or something, and it's pretty scary. Like, there's that great scene where, was it Tom Skerritt? He's got the flamethrower, and he's going through, like, the, uh, going all around the ship, and then it just just jumps out at him, and it, God, it's terrifying. I remember when we watched it, Nancy, you kind of, like, jumped. And <laughs> it's, it, it, <laughs> it's an incredibly effective uh, sequence. And, I mean, the chestburster scene, I feel like that just is continues to scare people you know it's still it's still scary for all these years and there's so many moments that just kind of leave you with that skin crawly feeling yeah i think if you want to talk about great monster design you have to talk about alien i mean there's all these different creatures you see i mean it's all the same creature but in different stages of its life cycle yeah Mm-hmm. They're also what it's going to be next. Weird and creepy, and the, you know, H.R. Geiger gives everything that gross kind of sexual look to it, almost. You know, lots phallic. of phallic shapes, yeah. and, and you know, the the face huggers basically raping people. <laughs> I never thought about the rape part, but yeah, um, I think it was James Cameron who explained why like the alien is so scary too. It's the fact that it doesn't have eyes. It doesn't look like something you could ever reason with, you know? You can never bring it to your level. It's just this animalistic monster. So, uh... Did, <laughs> so that's why did, it's so goddamn scary. Did, did, James, did James Cameron ever talk about, like, why he took it in a different direction? I think he just played to his strengths. I think yeah. he was just more interested in doing that because I think he, his background was in special effects, so he's probably yeah. more interested in... Hey, let's blow some shit up. <laughs> That's just kind of where he came from. He wasn't really a horror, ever a horror guy. He was always kind of a sci-fi action guy. Well, he did do Piranha 2, the spawning. <laughs> but I, I mean, there are kind of elements of horror in uh, the first Terminator. But, yeah. We should probably talk about that movie enough. <laughs> Definitely. We, we've... <laughs> Definitely blowed our load on Terminator. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) But have we blown our load on the next film? American Werewolf in London. Yes. (laughs) 
<laughs> I think this is the first time I've ever talked about it. This is an interesting one because it's from John Landis, who started making movies like Animal House and Blues Brothers. And then he makes a horror movie. I mean, it's still a comedy, but it's pretty scary, too. I mean, I'm surprised that he didn't just go with, like, Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi for this. Can you imagine that? Yes. Probably awesome. It was probably wise to go the other way with Chris Nolan and Griffin Dunn. And I think this is a great balance of the scary and then the funny. And it, it occupies this weird space. Uh, here you have this guy. His best friend is killed by a werewolf while they're backpacking through England. And then he keeps seeing his dead friend, and he's disgusting, and that's terrifying, but he has always this funny stuff to say, and he's like, hey, man, you're a werewolf now. you got to kill yourself. And there's all these bizarre set pieces. There's scenes like in a porno theater where they have a discussion, and even the iconic transformation sequence, which to me is like the best makeup like effect sequence I've ever seen. There's like weird cuts in there. Like It cuts like a Mickey Mouse statue at one part, and it's got like blue moon like doo-wop music playing over it it's this weird kind of mix between the two it's like is this supposed to be like funny or like what is this and that's what i love about this this whole movie is you're like is this like am i supposed to be laughing at this or it, it gives you that weird mixed response i don't know i really i think that's pretty cool so what's the difference between a werewolf and a wolf man i don't think there is any difference wrong what do you mean? Yeah, that was good acting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's gotta be real, man. There's a difference? I, I don't know. Well, I, I don't know. I feel like werewolves are, are more... They're more wolf than man. But the wolf man, he's pretty man. He just has wolf powers. He's all man. I feel like this is nitpicking. I feel like this is really stupid. A werewolf and a wolf man are the same goddamn thing. Alright, fair enough. I see um, where you're coming from. Though. I feel like a I feel werewolf like, I feel like has it. more to do with the moon and stuff, and then a wolf man just it's just a wolf man. A wolf man also turns in when there's a moon. If you've ever oh. seen the movie The Wolf Man. You know, don't <laughs> with argue Benicio. with me with your facts and your <laughs> Anyways, do you guys no, like this movie? I do. Uh, I like I remember parts. seeing it once at yeah. your house. I know it's a I long like time the parts ago. where it's funny. <laughs> and then I like the parts... Is the blob on this list, by the way? Not, who will be. Oh, nice. Oh, damn it. I should, that should have been my secret surprise. Dishonorable mention. <laughs> the blob. I like what you were saying, John, how like all the songs in the movie have moon in the title. Yeah, it's got Bad Moon Rising, CCR. They went real heavy on the moon. Yeah, it's got all the comedic beats of like another John Landis movie, but then he, I think he did a pretty good well, a pretty good job, yeah, with the um, horror parts too, and the makeup effects by Rick Baker really made it. I think this was the first year at the Oscars they had the um, makeup effects award, like his legitimate award, and he won the first one, and he's gone on to win it seven times, and but I still think this is probably his best work. Um. But yeah, and, and if we're talking about werewolves, I think this is probably the best of that genre. There's there's not a lot of great werewolf movies. Can you guys think of any other good ones you've seen? No. Besides The Wolfman? I've seen The Wolfman. Okay, you've seen The Wolfman. Yeah, that's a good one. It's pretty solid. Does that count as a werewolf movie, though? Or is that in another category? Is that a with Wolfman, Wolfman movie? movie? I don't know. <laughs> Along with, uh, like, um, Werewolves, Werewolf of London. Because he's a wolfman in Werewolf of London, yet it's called Werewolf of London. 
Never mind. Not important. Uh, an American World from Paris, is that actually a sequel, or is that just something taking advantage of I mean, of it's, it's supposed to be. Uh, and I've, I have seen it just because I was a fan of the original. It's doesn't really follow anything from the first one. They maybe mention, like, the events of the first one, but it, then it takes it in this other direction, and it's all about raves and stuff, and it's really, really awful. Terrible film. Don't see that. But see an American Royal from London. I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, and what's, what's really funny, too, is I feel like since this movie, John Landis has always grouped together with, like, David Cronenberg, John Carpenter, all these guys in the 80s who they called the masters of horror. And it's like, he made, like, one horror film. That in the thriller video, but like that's enough to make him a master of horror. Is this, this one movie? So that's pretty well, cool. The, the thriller, thriller video is pretty. Scary. Thriller video is pretty cool. Um, yeah, it's pretty scary. But it's it's interesting to call him a horror director. Uh, but it, I mean, it's pretty. If you're gonna, if you're only gonna make one real legitimate horror movie, it's it's, it's good that this is the one you made because uh, yeah, it's it's real enjoyable. I don't know about uh, cutting anything yet, but we'll see. Unless anyone has any strong objections right now, no, I think it's a it's a great pick. Uh, like you said, it's it's pretty funny a lot of the time, and it can be pretty scary too. I, and I feel like the ending of that movie is is really tragic. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I won't spoil it, but I don't think I've ever seen a Wolfman slash Werewolf movie that ends well. So just take that. And moving on, we have Bride. About yes, Teen Wolf. Is that a happy ending? Yeah, you're all there. It's the exception to the rule. There's not much <laughs> tragedy in Team Wolf. <laughs> okay, that's good. You, you got me there. That is a very joyous ending. <laughs> Sweet. You, they win the game. Sorry that I you spoiled win. the end of Team Wolf. Ugh, the guy, like, jiggles around his... You know, <laughs> the fat guy. <laughs> the other guy, the guy jiggling his junk. <laughs> I actually uh, found a YouTube video that said that that's a woman. And, I don't know, it's pretty convincing. <laughs> Did they make a case for that, or they just say, this is a woman? Oh, I mean, it, like, totally looks like a woman if you look at it closely. Maybe it's like a, it's like a science of the lambs thing. You know, it's like a, a guy dresses up, and we'll, but we'll get into that later. So let's go ahead. Uh, we better. Let's, let's go ahead either. now. So the, the confusing thing about Bride of Frankenstein is, in this movie, Frankenstein has a bride. He totally gets married. But that lady has nothing to do with the character that's called the Bride of Frankenstein. And on that grounds, I, I think we have to dismiss this one. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, there's one opinion. Uh, I didn't put this on here. Colin, I assumed you did? Yeah. You want to explain that a little bit? Why you like it? Yeah. I'm a big fan of Bride of Frankenstein. Uh, just because I feel like it's kind of... I don't know. The, I, me and Sean just watched it the other day. I was kind of reminded of like Terminator Two in a way, just because it follows that dynamic where you have this scary guy in your first movie, and then in the second one you kind of make him the sympathetic protagonist, and that's that's what I like about Brian Frankenstein is that Frankenstein's just like so misunderstood. It's uh, <laughs> a lot of like. Christ-like symbolism. Like, I didn't notice, like, how many crosses are in the background of this movie. I didn't so, either. Yeah. I've never well, heard... He gets literally, like, raised up on a cross. And they're throwing like rocks at him. So, yeah. Frankenstein is basically Jesus in this movie. And I'm, 
I like Except he has a pretty huge angle. body count. <laughs> yeah. Jesus wasn't killing dudes. At least that we know. Maybe there's like the uncut version of the Bible. <laughs> the secret years. The direct, the se- Jesus, the secret years. No, it's called D- Jesus, the teenage years. Because, you know, we don't really know anything about that. It's He's basically just like Jesse James going around killing people. <laughs> yes. Okay. That's informative. Uh, well, I haven't seen Bride of Frankenstein probably since 2008. But what was interesting is I got to see it in a double feature at the Sith Theater in Seattle. They showed Frankenstein, and then there was a little break, and they showed Bride of Frankenstein. And I like what you're saying about Bo- Bo- uh, the Frankenstein's monster, Boris Koff. He's more sympathetic. He actually gets to do like some acting in this one. He, he speaks, and he has some great scenes. There's the one with the blind, blind man, man, which was parodied, parodied brilliantly in Young Frankenstein with man. Gene Hackman. Uh, but Hackman. that's a great scene. I actually think I still like the first one better. It's a little more conventional horror movie, uh, but I, th- I think that's why I like it so much. I like the classic mold, the, the feel of it. I feel like the second one, I mean, you guys have seen it way more recently than me, so I could be way off here. But I feel like it was it, it was pretty comedic in a lot of spots. No, it like totally, some... it's pretty campy. Yeah. Uh, which is weird to say, because, I mean, obviously a movie made in the 30s is going to seem campy by modern horror standards. Not, not all the time, all the time. But I feel like even comparing it to the first Frankenstein movie, which I haven't seen since I was in the single digits, <laughs> uh, it seems yeah. way funnier. I think I gave you a sweet copy of the first Frankenstein, if you ever want to check that out again. That's, that one's worth revisiting, too. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it was a little campy, if, if I recall. And that's I think that's definitely part of its charm. I kind of like that. <laughs> that it kind of goes in so many, like strange directions for a horror movie. Uh, but at the same time, those things, I, 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 they, were, they were a little weird to me. Uh, Dr. Pretorius, and you have the little dancing people. Yeah. Yes, yeah. he has miniature people. There's all these elements <laughs> introduced that are interesting, sure, but they're kind of off the wall and weird. And I don't know if this is any part of it. I could be way off here again. Uh, but James Will, the director, was like really flamboyantly gay. So I wonder, he directed the first one too. I wonder if like he had more influence on the kind of stuff he wanted to do. I don't know. That could be totally wrong, but it, it, I, it makes me wonder. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, you could read into, like, I think you could definitely say there's a homosexual overtone to this movie. Um, because the Dr. Pretorius, uh, it seems so fascinated with the idea of being able to create life without procreating. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I didn't think of that. (laughs) That is really good insight. Nice job. Yeah, so, I mean, those those are fine. It just, I like the, I like the classic feel of the first one. I mean, it's tough, because I feel like most people do like Bride better, actually. It is very uh, popular. So, I don't know, when it comes down to list-making time, I don't know how you guys would feel about this, but I almost feel like those are two you could combine i feel like they they are in the same vein because the same directors a lot of the same cast I, yeah I, I i'd be totally fine with that i mean i like the first one a lot too i mean i hate to break them up but i, I totally hear what you guys are saying about bride and i i, I think that's uh, you guys make some good points did you ever see uh the next one son the next one is actually really good is it? son of frankenstein with basil rathbone because i feel like it's practically all about him it's really not cheesy or anything. It's, it's, it's pretty well acted. I think Bela Lugosi may have been in that one as Igor. 
Maybe the first time they had Igor in a movie. Because you have to so remember... Frank, so Frankenstein doesn't come back? No, he, he got vaporized. Man. I don't think... No, this is I know, son. he blew up the castle, but I don't know if they... <laughs> they could have pulled something like they did in Bride of Frankenstein, where it's like, oh, he was just kind of escaped the giant uh, fire. No, he wasn't in this one, but Boris Karloff did return to play the monster. And uh, he's he has some great scenes with Igor, who's this weird, creepy, fiendish guy. Uh, really interesting Hunchback character. A little more interesting than the Hunchback character of the first movie. I, you know, since we're talking about Bride, we might as well talk about Frankenstein, too. I don't yeah. think we need to add much more, but there was a Hunchback in that movie, but what people don't usually, you know, remember is that it wasn't Igor. I'm not really sure where Igor came from. It was a guy named Fritz who was a Hunchback. Uh, of course, most of Frankenstein is pretty much young Frankenstein. You know, a lot of it came from there with stealing the abnormal brain and all that. I don't think any of these stories relate that well to the original book, uh, but they're all... They're all real cool. Well, that's they... interesting because Bride of Frankenstein opens with Mary Shelley mm-hmm. talking to Lord Byron about like, that's not the whole story. <laughs> Frankenstein and his monster. An interesting choice. I totally yeah. forgot about that opening. Yeah. Is... <laughs> let's tr- let's check it out. Uh, but those those Universal monster movies, man, they have a feel to them. They're always, I think, the acting's usually pretty good. They usually have really great sets, atmosphere. Yeah, I'm all about the old fashioned. Gadgetry. Oh, yeah. The weird Nikola Sparks Tesla of the lightning stuff. and shit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the kites. They're very atmospheric, and they're just... You know, it was a classic time for cinema, uh, for all genres. So, pretty cool. Let's go to another classic. Cabin of Dr. Caligari. Colin? Yeah, this is... kind of a film that sticks out to me, just because... I feel like even today, <laughs> 80 years later or whatever, it still looks kind of unlike anything because it has this weird angular German expressionist inspired set design which kind of fits the weird kind of twisted nature of the story. Definitely. I can't, I can't really remember the story that well. It's... There's something about uh, Dr. Caligari had some sort of sleepwalker man who went around yeah. killing people? Yeah. Conrad Veidt played he was like a sleepwalker and he could control mm-hmm. him and he's just basically wandering around this nightmarish these nightmarish looking sets. Yeah. It's like who came up with this? This is insane. It mm-hmm. looks crazy. And I think it is important to uh, uh, take take notice of the German expressionism kind of movement because I feel like from what I've seen Germans basically invented horror movies. I mean, we could have also gone with Nosferatu as another mm-hmm. great early German horror movie. Though, I don't think that one is as... Actually, as scary as this one, just because of how scary this movie just looks, even when nothing's happening. Yeah. It, it just... It, I, I, I'm going to be using this a lot, but it comes back to it's atmospheric. <laughs> it places you in this bad dream or something. Uh, yeah, I'm also a little sketchy on the plot, though. Uh, I don't think I feel I've... like it has a fairly complex plot for a silent film. It definitely it's does. One of the first films that uses like flashbacks, and I think I even read it as the first film with like a twist ending. Yeah, I read that somewhere too. Which is so unique. I don't know that it was that hard to follow, but it's certainly hard to remember the specifics. 
so I don't know if it'll make it on the list, but I think it's definitely worth discussion, just because it's a classic, and the fact mm-hmm. that, yeah, you can still look at it, and it doesn't look like anything else. And it hasn't been remade by, like, Tim Burton yet or something. That's weird. You'd think he would have jumped on that, but I don't know. you got to be thinking Tim Burton is looking for anything even remotely gothic right now to remake. <laughs> He's, he's got to do it. He's, he's, he's working his way. Because isn't Johnny Depp perfect for the Sleepwalker character? Pretty much. He looks I mean, it might be a little weird now that he's kind of old, but it still bring, work. You bring in Danny DeVito to be Dr. Caligari? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Why not? And it's in 3D. Yeah. God, that sounds bad. And it, and it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, what a grim future. Another grim future is the future it's of... It's very scary. Great. <laughs> Good one. Thanks. So, uh, you nailed that. It's all about the timing. Yeah. Dawn of the Dead, a 2004 film made by uh, Zack Snyder. Uh, his debut. As he said, it's all about the timing. Go on. Uh, it stars Ving Rhames. Yeah. And uh, Ty Burrell is in there. Nice. Damn it. <laughs> okay, anyways. Dawn of the Dead. Not the remake. Some people like it. I don't. It's, it's a fast zombie movie, so it's divisive already. Uh, it's, but it's got not, a pretty sweet ending, though. It's pretty dark, I guess it has. It, it's not all bad. It's got some interesting things going on in it, but I didn't really like it. Um but I do love the original Dawn of the Dead, 1978. The sequel to Night of the Living Dead, though it he didn't George Romero, director, didn't make it till ten years after. Uh, I think that's because he actually wanted to have something to say. It's like George Romero only makes zombie movies when he has some sort of like political message or some sort of comment on modern society, like how Night of the Living Dead was like a reflection of just breakdown of society during like Vietnam era. Dawn of the Dead is about oh how over-commercialization and everything. We're like zombies already. Because what this movie is about is it's about these people, there's a zombie apocalypse, and they make their way to a mall, and then they, they hold up in the mall, but there's still zombies there. And the zombies still, uh, they still push around carts, they still walk around like it's the last thing they remember doing. And that's this comment on how, you know, we're already like that, man. We're, we're already zombies walking around the mall. Well, I, I think it even goes on from that because they clear out the mall, and they, it spends a while just showing how great a time these four people are having, uh, just having free range in this mall, being able to take whatever they want. It's it almost gets to the point where, you're, where you, as a viewer, are thinking, "Man, this sounds pretty great. I wish there was a zombie apocalypse." So I, <laughs> I know definitely take over this mall. I think that also uh, reflects the the excess of the 70s. Maybe maybe I'm looking in too deep there. I don't know. But yeah, I, I totally like watch this and like, oh man, I can only imagine if I got to hang out in this one store all day and just open all the stuff and just hang out and have fun, man. But it's only... Go ice skating, f- man. It's only fun for so long. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think it's a great character study, too. And I like the star of this film, which is Keenan's dad, Ken Forey, nice. and his breakout. Well, I don't know if he ever really broke out, but 
a it's role. Closest thing to a brigand. Closest thing. He's pretty big in horror circles because of this movie, and he's been in a lot of terrible horror movies because of this movie. Because like, oh, he's a great horror star, and he is pretty good in this. And uh, I don't know what else. What else does it say about Donald Dead? Great makeup effects. Golgo Island was pretty scary. Is he, yeah, is he in that? I don't think he was. Pretty sure. I'm pretty sure he's not. I'm pretty sure you just think all black people look alike. <laughs> I would know if he was. No, I'm pretty sure that you he would was. know. Right, I know. I know about Ken Forey. Trust me. I know. I have to know, I know my B movie. I go to these horror conventions. I have to know the stars, and I have met a couple of the stars from this movie. Uh, Flyboy who me and my brother met and talked about how he got involved in the movie. He's just working at a restaurant, and George Romero came in, and they're like, we need people to be in this movie. You're in the movie. And then what's crazy is they filmed it at the Monroeville Mall in, uh, oh, where is it? It's either Pittsburgh? I think it's Pittsburgh. And But they filmed it during Christmas, so every night they had to take down all the decorations, and then they had to get them all back up before dawn. Bad idea. It worked. I don't think this was a really problematic uh, production. They pulled it off. I mean, if you think about it, considering this, it wasn't necessarily an independent uh, movie, but it definitely wasn't like a big budget thing. Filming in this huge mall and then taking out all this stuff and then having hordes of zombies coming in is pretty ambitious. And it's pretty amazing that they pulled something off that looks really cool and then also has like a message. It's it's very layered. My of only course, there's, there's yeah. the gore, which we didn't really talk about. I mean, this is the movie I think of with... Really bright blood everywhere. Almost cartoonish. I remember there's that guy, the zombie walk in, and he gets his uh, top of his head chopped off by a helicopter blade. Do you know the actor who played that zombie goes to conventions as helicopter zombie, and you get his (laughs) autograph? It's like, you didn't do anything. You only got the part because you have a big head or something. Gotta gotta make a living. (laughs) It's just like, what a sad existence. I go to conventions because... And 30 years ago, I was in a movie where my head got chopped off. Give me 20 bucks. <laughs> it's kind of sad. There's, there's multiple people in this movie that just played a zombie that had one scene and now goes to conventions. Hey, I was that zombie from Dawn of the Dead. Do you want my autograph? $20 for uh, you. $20 for And it's just, oh my God. I don't know how to feel about that. You know, you got to make a living, I suppose. But no, I think this is a great... It's like, but do people even recognize them? No. Like, tell, well, do you want my autograph? I was in this movie. They stand... Like, could, I, could I just go there and be like, hey, I was in this movie? They stand next to a big poster of them, look, that's me. They have all these pictures. Of course, all the pictures are just the same one, because they only had one scene. It's that kind of thing. And I never walk up to those kind of people when I go to conventions. It's just too weird. I mean, what what questions do they get? Hey, what, how did they do that? Your head did, didn't chop off. Did they really chop off your head? So, oh, how'd the rest of your life turn out? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, that's got to be the worst. I don't know, if, <laughs> I don't know if, that, if, if that's more embarrassing or if you, when you confuse someone, like, I saw you in such and such, and then they're like, I wasn't in that. Those are always good, too. I've seen those unfold. <laughs> <laughs> like, there was a guy who played a zombie in Land of the Dead when I went to a convention, and this guy's like, oh, I liked you on the episode of Law and Order. And he's like, uh, I don't. <laughs> and it was a black guy. <laughs> so he's getting, oh, no. getting mixed up. Terrible, terrible. Pull the uh, Nancy. I, I, <laughs> I gotta prove you all wrong. Okay, we'll okay, we'll see about that. 
But no, I think this is a, a good movie. The only, the only problem is last time I watched it, I think maybe even been the time I watched it with Colin, where just when like the zombies broke into the mall, the DVD like glitched up and broke. Oh, so yeah. got everything but the zombie parts. Spooky uh, shit. Spooky shit. But I plan on watching it again sometime because my brother has the uh, super duper special edition, like six discs. It's crazy. It's got so many different versions of this film. Doesn't he also have it on like PSP? He does. He has it on PSP. Nice. I don't so think he that's. Doesn't have a PSP. Yeah. What about Nokia Engage? <laughs> I'll get back to you on that one. <laughs> I can't You'll deny find this. A way. <laughs> Cannot confirm or deny. But no, I think it's great. Uh, yeah, it is my favorite zombie movie. It's something you really sink your teeth into, just like Dracula. <laughs> Nin- 1931. This is the film that launched all the other Universal horror movies. It was like it was the first one that had the cool, spooky sets. I seem to recall it has a lot of the same actors that are in these other films. Renfield, that actor, he was in Frankenstein. Doctor Pretorius is in this one as Van Helsing, if if I recall correctly. I could be wrong. Someone is. They share a lot of the same actors. Uh, and Dracula is a, is a good movie because of the performances. It's because of Bela Lugosi pretty much inventing Dracula. I mean, when you think of Dracula, what do you think of? Just throw some stuff out. The accent, right? You know? The, Transylvania. The, the Widow's Peak. I mean, these are all stuff that he delivered in his performance. I think the only thing that may keep it from being on this list is the last time I watched it again with Colin was this movie is kind of the pacing seems a, like off a little bit like it's, it seems pretty slow. slow I think I found myself almost falling asleep when we watched it and I think another problem is of this is it's the early 30s there wasn't a lot of soundtracks you know to these early movies this one doesn't have one so and it's it feels flat at the moment yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of dead space and then the final nail in the coffin, if I will. <laughs> this movie has a very anticlimactic ending. It's like, there's Dracula, let's kill him. Did we get him? We got him. The end. <laughs> That's job. how movies ended back then. He doesn't, yeah, he doesn't put up any fight. They just go to where his, you know, his, uh, his castle and they stab him. And he's dead. What do you mean? Frankenstein, both the first movies, end up with a okay. giant building being destroyed. But no, I mean, there, there's, there were horror movie, a lot of horror movies back then that kind of fizzled out near the end. Mostly yeah. vampire ones. <laughs> I don't know why. Well, is there, there really that interesting of a way to kill a vampire? There's lots of ways. They explode in sunlight. Yeah, I guess. I don't know, he could at least put up a fight. Yeah, I think he could. I mean, because vampires, if I recall, I mean, who knows what vampires are supposed to be now in this day and age. Mythology's been changed so much, but they're at least supposed to be strong. Uh, this Dracula is like basically. Hulk strong? Uh, I don't know, a little bit. Like a little bit Hulk strong, like three quarters Hulk. Like She Hulk strong, <laughs> dude. She Hulk's hella strong. Don't even mess. Yeah, but is She Hulk strong? <laughs> Pretty much. Like Spider Man, if he was a little kid, strong. Just put it at that. Spider Man's pretty strong. I don't know how strong the vampire is. They're just kind of strong. But when Peter Parker was a little kid, he wasn't Spider Man. I'm just saying, if Spider Man turned into a little kid, <laughs> why would why would Spider Man turn into a little kid? Does he really have to go into this? I don't know. It was a bad example. Okay, you got me there. It was, it stu- doesn't make any sense. Um, but still, I I do think Dracula is 
good for the performance. From I think it's Im- important. I don't know if it quite holds up as an entertaining film to watch now. I think that's fair. It, it doesn't have as much to offer as maybe some of the other great horror films of that era. Yeah, I think I might that's even true. Like, I might even like The Wolfman better. I probably do as well. I Maybe I should have considered putting on this list. <laughs> but I dropped the ball there. So I don't think Dracula will be in the running. We turn into a bat? Uh, yeah. I think so. Did they use a really crappy bat like they did in Bride of Frankenstein? <laughs> uh, that sounds right. I'm pretty sure it was a pretty crappy bat. <laughs> that was weird, though, because that bat just appears for like a second. It's like, yeah. why did they need to put that in there? <laughs> it doesn't look good. It looks so bad. It, it, it literally looks like they took a rubber bat on a string and dangled it. <laughs> they like, man. yep, that's, this is our great take. This is the one. And there's some great takes in Evil Dead. You want to talk about Evil Dead a little bit? Let's talk about Evil Dead a little bit. I put the second one. I think that's probably the appropriate choice. I agree. Uh, Because the first one, the effects are great, but it is... Acting's not that great, and it's not that funny. The third one is a little too funny. It's kind of like the horror equivalent of Robin Hood Men in Tights. (laughs) It's very I feel like slapstick. That's really strong. I think no. I think Is it really that bad. No, no. I think it's. <laughs> I think it's good, but it just it. It's more. It has more in common. I think with that movie being a period piece and a comedy than it does with being like the other ones, like a horror, traditional horror movie. Though still, Evil Dead isn't really that traditional. I mean, it sets up in a pretty basic way. Yeah, Bruce Campbell, very charismatic uh, character, who goes to this cabin and. Well, this is uh, this is this is complicated because it's like a semi remake. It's a semi remake slash sequel, but he 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 basically goes to this cabin with his girlfriend and he finds these old recordings of this guy reading from the Necromonicon, which is the Book of the Dead, and then that brings spirits to life. That was basically the plot of the first one, but then it keeps going because this is just the setup, and then we have Bruce Campbell as Ash, and he just fights against this evil force. Sometimes it's like you don't even see it. It's like the POV of the camera. Sometimes it uh, takes on the form of these disgusting kind of demon-like things called deadites. And then there's all sorts of bizarre nightmarish comedy sequences in this in this film. Any come to mind for anybody that stand out to you? Well, I'll go with one. <laughs> it's, been, it's been a while since this. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. I think probably the big one is... I, I think the hand stuff. There. That's what I was going to go with. Yeah. His hand gets possessed. And so what does he do? He chops it off. And then there's this very long sequence, almost like an episode of Tom and Jerry, where he's after his hand and the hand's playing pranks on him and slap him in the face. And he's like trying to kill it. And of course, losing his hand leads Bruce Campbell to get a chainsaw hand. He goes to the tool shed and attaches a chainsaw to fight deadites. And it is... <laughs> Crazy, it is incredibly gory, but in a funny way. This movie just visually and all the effects sequences in it is so like sensory overload. I mean, there's there's so much stuff going on. There's parts where uh, certain things in the cabin become possessed. I remember there's this part where like a deer on the wall like starts like laughing, and then this chair starts laughing, and then this table starts laughing, and then the whole house is like laughing at him. <laughs> Like, if you haven't seen the movie, this must sound incredibly bizarre. Like, it's so hard to explain. It's so visual. 
Uh, but this movie's very funny and it is insane. Uh, I watched it last year because I hadn't seen it in a while too, and it's still really funny. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's what makes it the great film in this trilogy is that uh, the first movie is funny at parts, but I'm I'm not even sure that that's intentional or not. It might just be, you know, guys making their first movie together. Not the, you know, they're yeah. not the best at what they do yet. Uh, yeah, I think they did uh, kind of. But Evil Dead Two. Yeah, they totally they they lean into the comedy. It's it's great. I love this movie. And they really developed the character of Ash, who really didn't have much going for him in the first film. But this one, he's got one-liners, and he's he's almost cocky and arrogant. If you if you know you know Duke Nukem, Duke Nukem's just a big knockoff of Ash from Evil Dead. Exact same character, and that's pretty great character mold. This guy is like you know groovy. You know, give me some sugar, baby. You know, almost this Elvis-like guy who chops up people with his chainsaw hand it's uh it's it's beyond words it is it's just so much fun it's just fun it's a fun movie it's not i wouldn't say it's remotely scary in any part maybe that's just me but no it is a film that was made by excited people (laughs) well if you're really squeamish about blood and stuff you'd be pretty frightening i guess yeah, I guess. It's just, it is very slapstick. You buy into those effects. If you buy into the effects. Do you buy into the effects of The Exorcist? You do? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Maybe some of them. Well, so The Exorcist, if you haven't seen it, this is about the devil. Uh... <clears throat> You know, being the yeah. devil, he's all about little girls. And so he hops up in this little girl. Takes for a ride. Yes. <laughs> gross. Yeah, you make it I was going to make a priest somehow. joke. But... And uh, these priests come by. And put a, put a... They're all about little boys. Uh... Is that okay? What? That the <laughs> what are you talking about? Well, Sean said the devil's all about little girls. And, you know, priests. You know... Yeah, I know. No, that's not okay. That's yeah, not okay. That's, that's the line. <laughs> but no, The Exorcist is a classic. This was Oscar nominated, wasn't it? I think so. And we'll but we'll get into some more Oscar gold a little later. Uh, yeah, I mean, people usually go to this movie as like the scariest movie ever made. How do you guys respond to that? I don't know. <laughs> These kind of movies, like exorcism movies, do scare me the most. I guess it's just like it's in the back of your mind the whole time. What, what could this really happen? Like, what if this happened to me? That would totally suck. But I don't know if it's as scary as it is. Just like a really good movie. Yeah, I don't know that I think it's really scary. The last time I saw it, well, I was pretty scared. <laughs> I I feel like I saw the director's cut or extended cut or something. I don't recall if people liked it, but I thought it was actually even scarier. They inserted all these bizarre, like, almost subliminal flashes of this monstrous face in it. It was really just, uh, you know, just disturbing. And then I think they had a scene where the girl, like, spider walks down the stairs. It was pretty over the top. It was pretty scary. That's not... 
I saw that. Yeah. So that's not in the movie? I think that's the director's cut or the... Ex- whatever cut it is. I don't know. But I still... I kind of like that cut. I mean, I guess people usually like the director's cut. If that's what it was. I'm I'm not sure. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this has the best exorcism stuff going on in it. I feel like since this movie was made, it's like, why make any other exorcism movies? You know, it's like, what's the point? I feel like you, they did it pretty well this time. Like, I don't understand why that genre continues to go on. I don't know. Because this movie was really successful? This movie was really successful. And I think it came out on Christmas or something, right? Pretty close to the holidays. <laughs> there was a lot of controversy around this film when it was coming out. And I feel like there's also a lot of really scary shit, haunted shit, if you will, going on when this movie's being made. All sorts of bizarre accidents and people getting hurt. People are like, God doesn't want you to make this movie. Or something like that. But when Freakins, you know, I'll do whatever I want. And he did. <laughs> and it's well acted. Uh, I am really feel bad that I forgot his name. Not Max von the other guy. Okay. Jason, like, Miller? That is correct. Jason Miller. Yeah, because he's really great in this film. Max von is good. What's interesting about Max von Sydow is he looks so old in that movie, but he's only, like, in his 40s. <laughs> but, like, they made him look really old, and they did a really good job. So I'm just like, God, I guess Max Sydow has been, like, 70 for, like, 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> but Jason Miller's really great, too. You know, I, I feel bad because I haven't seen it in a while, but was he, what was his problem? He was struggling with his faith or, or something like that, right? Yeah. And then to be hit with this, well, oh yeah, struggle with it now, huh? Here's the devil. He's <laughs> <laughs> the devil, bitch. Ugh, I don't know why I said that, but um, he's puking all over the face and twisting her head around, all iconic horror imagery. Very disgusting. Swearing all over the place. It just makes you Got uncomfortable. Watching a little kid do this kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, maybe priests are used to that kind of stuff. Scratch that. Uh, <laughs> that one didn't even make sense. I've always really wanted to see the sequel to this because I've heard it's like one of the worst things like ever. It it doesn't. How, uh, how like related was it as far as like? Barely. It it has like this weird stuff like. This swarm of locusts going to like Africa, and the James Earl Jones is this tribal man, and he's really bizarre in it. It's funny because he's making it at the same time he's making Star Wars. And I think the director, I want to say it was John, maybe F- Frankenheimer did the second one. Somebody, did, somebody know, or John Borman, I think, did the second one. And like, I don't even like The Exorcist, yet I'm directing the sequel. It still has. Uh, Linda Blair, but it's does. I don't know if it has an exorcism in it. It's, it's like this weird, trippy, all over the place kind of movie. I, I, I really can't say because I haven't seen it because it's supposed to be terrible. But I've always been really curious. Uh, How it, many are, are there? Is there any more? There's a third one that's supposed to be okay with George C. Scott. <laughs> that sounds great already. It's, it's got to be at least okay. If it's George C. Scott. It's, it's a devil, goddammit. <laughs> and then there's a really interesting thing that happened in the 2000s. There's a movie called... Oh, I can't remember. There's an Exorcist 4. I don't remember what it was called. It was called Exorcist The Beginning. But somebody made it, and then they showed it to the studio, and like, this is bad. And then <laughs> they remade the entire movie, again, different, with a different cast. And you can see both. They're both on DVD. You can get both versions of the movie. The movie and then the remade different story one. I feel like they both star... 
Oh, God, I don't know. Peter Skarsgård. <laughs> the other one, <laughs> Stellan Skarsgård. It's, it's, it's a Stellan Skarsgård. It's a prequel to the... It's it's about Max von Sydow's character kind of exploring the mythos of the demon earlier. I've always wanted so, to like, check him was out. The, was the entire cast different? Um, the, the, it, had the same, like it had the same, it had the same, like, a couple core people, but yeah, I mean, I think it was different story, sort of. It's just bizarre that a studio could afford just to make the movie again. Yeah. I, I think one's supposed to be slightly better than the other, but I don't know that either are great. So, um, a kind of a franchise that hasn't held up well. Most horror franchises haven't, but this one is pretty cool. William Peter Blatty wrote this. He wrote the book, and he wrote the screenplay. What's interesting is he never planned on getting into horror and everything. He always wanted to write like comedy. Never worked out. His life is now Exorcist, but maybe he meant for that to be a comedy. He wanted Jerry Lewis to play uh, the, <laughs> the the girl, and then he was gonna bring in like you know Gene Wilder and <laughs> Zero Mustel. <laughs> yeah, that would have been interesting, but that's not what we got. I think. I, I don't know. Anyone else have anything else they want to add to the Exorcist? It's gross. It's gross. <laughs> Ag- agreed. It's a great Halloween movie. Yeah, you know, the first time I saw it, it was on... It's a great Christmas movie. <laughs> the television. You know, you could watch it on Christmas, too. Sorry, Sean. I watched Sean. it with commercials. Uh, so that kind of took some of the tension away. <laughs> And also is on TV, so I'm guessing there's probably some graphic stuff that's not suitable for televised. <laughs> sure, sure. So if, to me, I was like, ah, it didn't seem that scary. <laughs> You're just a brave man, Sean. No, I'm not. Well, it's good for any occasion, for any holiday. I don't know if our next film is good for any occasion or any holiday, because it's Halloween. Has everyone seen Halloween? I think so. Yeah. Uh, I know you've really seen most of it, Nancy. I remember one time we watched it and you had to go. But you... (laughs) (laughs) I think think you left before all the good parts. I feel like I've seen it. Okay, you've seen it. Great. Uh, I just watched this a year ago with John Cleveland, famous rapper, and uh, we really enjoyed this. I think he's an R&B sensation. R&B, excuse me. Uh, R&B sensation. We really enjoyed watching this again. It's still pretty scary. I think what makes Halloween a great horror movie is it doesn't rely on like gore or anything. You know, it's 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 more about the building up of the suspense. You see this figure, Michael Myers, in the scary William Shatner mask, and he just emerges, you know, from these corners, and they turn around, and then he's not there. And all these cool shots and this as- atmospheric soundtrack that we kind of tore apart when we did our soundtracks <laughs> uh, uh, podcast. We didn't tear it apart, but we. we I think we recognize that it's pretty repetitive and kind of droning, but it works for this movie, I think. John Carpenter's score, and this was John Carpenter's breakout movie, and it kind of set the trend for holiday-themed horror movies. Very few of them are good, but thankfully the one called Halloween is one of the good ones, and they created an iconic villain, and it's just a great chiller. Do you guys feel that way about Halloween? Do you? Maybe no? Maybe Maybe yes? Uh, I thought it was fine. I guess, I don't know, the movie doesn't stand out to me as much, maybe just because it's a film that's been borrowed from, like, so much. 
Like, I feel like it's the archetypal slasher movie. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, I guess when I watched it, it didn't quite have maybe the same effect as if maybe I was someone in 1978 or whatever watching it for the first time. Sure. I mean, it definitely seems like cliche now just because all the cliches started with it. So, you know, it, like, it built up all the other... You know, Friday the 13th and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I mean, you can't really fault the movie for that, for being and influential. I, I, I can understand how it's hard to separate that from the modern perception of slasher movies, but back then it was pretty cutting edge. Yeah. And, <laughs> sorry. I think Sean's getting kind of weird. I'm not. It just, they just come to me, you know. <laughs> I think I could still look at it, uh, you know, in the mindset of someone from 1978, mm-hmm. I can tr- certainly try. And I think it's, it is very atmospheric. It's shot really interesting. A lot of great POV uh, stuff. I think it's a cool-looking villain. And, I mean, it's, it's very simple. It, it is very slim, simplistic and lean in plot. But I think that it works in its favor. It's just, it moves at a very relaxed pace. I mean, relaxed in the sense that it's not really intricate, but of course it's very suspenseful, so I don't know if there's anything relaxing about that. Yeah, I, I like how Michael Myers is portrayed in this. Uh, he's just he's just a, a looming threat, you know, is coming. I, mean, I feel like he doesn't even say anything in the whole movie. Yeah. Maybe he doesn't even he does. When he's well, a kid, what would he say something. I'm gonna kill you. I think the only time he ever he's actually black. I think the only time he ever spoke was in the Halloween Two remake, and it was die. <laughs> it's like seriously, you waited thirty years, and then you're gonna say die. What you do all the time. Of course, that movie was not good. That was one of the Rob Zombie movies. This is this is one of the rare franchises where I think yeah, I've seen every single one. And the first one's good, and the second one's kind of good, and that's it. And there's, uh, how many hours are there? There's five, six, seven, eight. There's ten. <laughs> but two, one is a remake, and then one is a sequel to the remake. But there's ten, and I've seen them all. Wait, wait, wait. Is Halloween 2 not a remake of Halloween 2? I mean, it borrows one, like... You see, Halloween 2 is all set in a hospital. It's set, it's set right after the events of Halloween 1. And Halloween 2, the remake, starts in a hospital, but then it goes off in its own direction. So I wouldn't say it's a remake. I'd actually say it's better than Halloween 1 remake, uh, but not by much. Uh, very poorly kept franchise. It's, it's a bad move when you have to put rappers in your, fe- in your future installments. Which one's the one with Buster Rhymes? That's Halloween Resurrection. <laughs> he fights him with karate. Is that H20? <laughs> No, H two H twenty or H two O. It has LL Cool J. I'm just glad they they got to fit someone in there who could say trick or treat, motherfucker. They they finally got to it. That was the line that needed to be said in a movie. He says that, and then he fights Michael Myers with karate, and Michael Myers gets electrocuted. <laughs> trick or treat, motherfucker. You know karate moves. A very weird franchise. Pretty much the only thing that ties together most of the early ones is Donald Pleasance, who is kind of like one of the main cool things about Halloween. He's the Michael Myers psychiatrist who carries a gun. I can't think of any other child psychiatrist that carries a gun. Then again, I don't know many child psychiatrists. They all carry guns. They, they, they all do. <laughs> 
but it's funny. He's like he's 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 psychiatrist, but the whole movie's like you gotta kill him. You can't save him. He's insane. So he's always trying to kill Michael Myers, and he's just awesome. Donald Pleasance is just so intense in these movies. You know who they offered the part to originally was Christopher Lee, but he's like, no, I'm gonna go do 1941. And now he says it's what he regrets most in his entire career is turning down that part because he would have loved to play that character. And it is a great character, Dr. Loomis. He's in the first six films, I think. Six one has Paul Rudd. Wow. Yeah, it's funny when you see like good actors that get their starts in like awful horror movies. That happens a lot. Jamie Lee Curtis got her start in uh, Halloween, but... Uh, I wouldn't say it's an awful movie. I'd say it's pretty good. Unless you guys have any more questions about the weird sequels to Halloween. <laughs> any more questions? What's What's Michael Myers' deal again? Like, he killed well, his sister. Y- yeah. It was, he's just like crazy, basically. I mean, he, you could say that he's driven by some sort of weird sexual frustration because in the first one, he's a little kid and he sees his like sister undressing and naked and then he stabs her and then he's just weird for the rest of his life. It's kind of a mystery, but I mean, you can definitely uh, pull out little scenes from the movie to think, Oh, maybe that's why he's insane. Uh, but then he, for some reason, he's always going after someone who's like in his family. Like Jimmy Lee Curtis is his, assi- his sister, his younger sister who was adopted out of crazy family. <laughs> And then in, like, another one, he's after his niece. I don't know why he's getting so specific. <laughs> it's pretty dumb. Uh, yeah, but I, th- I, th- I think that about wraps it up for Halloween movies. Until the next one, who knows when that's going to be. So, I think we can go to another classic. Night of the Living Dead. Not quite as good as Night of the Living Bread. Do you want to talk about that, Sean? Well, Night of the Living Bread is this short film that came with my copy of Night of the Living Dead on VHS. And it is basically uh, maybe ten minutes of hitting all the main beats of Night of the Living Dead, but with little pieces of white bread in place of zombies. And they make weird alien sound effects. And they just fly at people. And they're like, you know, and then... And the actors play with them and die. And if I recall correctly, as a younger fellow, you enjoyed this more than Night of the Living Dead. It was the superior film. Which is understandable. I can I can get that actually. Night of the Living Dead, as as groundbreaking as I think it was, hasn't held up that well. Colin, have you seen Night of the Living Dead? Yeah. Okay, would you agree with that, maybe? That hasn't held up that well, or how do you feel? I kind of like Night of the Living Dead. I like it too. I, I maybe I maybe like it more than Dawn of the Dead. That's, I just kind of like I just kind of like the low budget sort of gritty nature about it. There's something I don't know, just a bit more real feeling about it. Like it's almost like a documentary or something that you're just kind of there in the cabin with these people, and there's sort of this claustrophobia that comes out of that sort of just. The, Mm-hmm. low-budget, scrappy nature. I definitely hear what you're saying the documentary, especially in the end, which I think this movie has one of the just eeriest kind of unsettling endings to a horror movie where you have these... I don't want to spoil it if for anyone who hasn't seen it. It is in the public domain, so this is a very easy movie to see. You can see it <laughs> anywhere. Uh, but you, you have the hunters walking around shooting the zombies, and they it's, it is like, like a news report almost. They just walk around the countryside, and all these people are taking them out. 
and it's it's got this weird docudrama style to it that I think is really compelling. I think the reason um, it, it doesn't hold up well in another aspect is not all the performances are great. I mean, they're fine. I, I wouldn't say any of them are bad, but they're like a little soap opera-ish maybe. Mm-hmm. I think the guy who stars is actually pretty good. And what was groundbreaking at the time is the guy, Ben, is, I think is the main character's name, is a black guy. And that was a big deal back then to have a black guy star in like a horror action movie. Probably the first time a horror movie. Well, definitely the first time that you had a black guy. And then people were saying that it had all this, oh, it means all this racial stuff too, even though they just he was just best for the part. That's the only reason he was cast. He was just the best person they got. But it adds this other layer, and it is kind of interesting, especially when you see how that character, his arc, or how it, the film ends for him, kind of like draws in some weird, weird shit. But yeah, it is, it is kind of a cool character drama, and and I, I, love, I love the feel of the black and white, the zombies creeping up to the house. This, you can argue with me if you want. I'd say this is the first real zombie movie ever made. George Romero invented zombies basically here. This is the first time you had them just kind of walking around and eating people. I don't think there's any film that did that before this. It was mostly like, I'm going to use my voodoo magic so you do my bidding. <laughs> you know, like White Zombie, like that's what that movie's basically like, or other zombie movies. This was the first real one. So you can say George Romero basically invented zombies. And I love the Romero zombie rules, I guess you'd call them. Mm-hmm. I love that it's anyone who dies comes back. And the bite doesn't turn you, it's just a fatal wound. And they're all slow. and That's ah, great. And if you do get bit, you can try to chop off the limb and you can, and you can live through it. That has been done in other Romero movies. And, like I said earlier, I like that he only makes them when he has something to say. He made one in 1968, 1978, 1985, and then what after that? 2005. You know, he really spaces them out. <laughs> he doesn't just make one, like, every year because, like, I'm trying to make some money. You know, yeah. He's trying to tell he's, – he's attempting to do something. Which is which is pretty admirable when you're working in the horror genre to like I'm actually trying to tell a story because not a lot of people are trying to do that. Um, it's almost tough for me to talk about these now though because I'm so sick of like zombies, like they've become so popular since Walking Dead got popular, and I almost don't like them as much as I used to. I don't think I do. It's fucking annoying. <laughs> you know when like you like something and then it gets really popular, so you don't really like it anymore. That's what yeah. I've been going through. I don't know. I, I, the problem I think with zombies is people have kind of run out of approaches to it. I agree. It's pretty like, basic. It's the same shit over and over again. <laughs> I, not to go off uh, for a minute, but I will. Walking Dead. I just, I can't even like people. Even even though people may be saying the season is good, I can't just like watch it anymore because I just don't care. I don't. It doesn't seem like there's anything else they can do to it for me. Yeah. Zombies are zombies. I don't well, feel like zombies works as a TV show. I mean, maybe that that's bad for other reasons. What I think is interesting about Walking Dead, at least the show, don't know the comics, uh, is that at this point, the zombies are just this thing on the side that they yeah. don't even really have to worry about that much of the time. The real problems are that you know society's gone. They don't have doctors. They don't have food. They don't have running water, and they have to figure out how to make life worth living in a world where everything they ever knew is gone. 
Yeah, I agree. I think that does work in small doses. That's why Dawn of the Dead works. Because there's a large chunk of that movie where zombies are just kind of, you know, a background thing. It's more about the characters. But that's just one movie. It's not like... And the characters are good. And it's um, it's not like a, a weekly thing. So I don't think zombies do work in a weekly thing for me anymore. Maybe for some people. Um, but... Yeah, I, I guess I'll still always like classic Romero zombies, so I'll still always like Night of the Living Dead, but it's going to be pretty hard for someone to get me interested in zombies again. <laughs> I don't know how that could ever happen, but we'll we'll see. If anyone else wants to add anything about zombies. The part where the little girl comes back and kills her parents is pretty fucked up. It is pretty fucked up. She's mm-hmm. a little girl zombie and kills her parents. But Nancy, if you haven't seen Night of the Living Dead, check it out. It's, you can see it anywhere. Public domain. They lost the rights, so... You could see it on YouTube. You could distribute your own copy of this movie if you wanted. You could have a shrug of it in your backyard. Basically. I don't have a backyard. Uh, and charge. In your front, in your driveway, whatever, in the street. <laughs> the point is, you can show it, and no one can sue you. Do people, like, do that, like, all the time? Um, I don't know, but there's, there's like... Or are they like, screw you, I can just watch it wherever I want. Well, what I do know is that there's like 50 different DVD versions of Night of the Living Dead because everyone releases one. Everyone who starts a DVD company is like, hey, well, I can get this one, you know, and this is a popular one, so I'll show it. Like, I have a really shitty copy that was probably just made by some graphic designer guy who needed some money. <laughs> so he released his own version of Night of the Living Dead. Did it come with Night of the Living Bread? It did not. What it did come with was a colorized version of the film, and I don't know if you guys have ever seen a black and white movie that's been colorized. It I looks, it looks weird. That. I've seen King Kong also colorized. It just looks bizarre. It's I would not recommend it. <laughs> uh, well, the point is you can watch it, even yeah. if you know your neighbor's watching it and you're just looking through the window, you know, spying he on them. <laughs> But, of course, Sean is referring to Peeping Tom, the 1960 cult classic, let's say. Colin, you added this? Yeah. This is the Powell Pressburger one, right? No. Powell Sands Pressburger. <gasps> Did they have right. falling out? I don't know. They just split up. Um, it kind of does have the feel of a Powell Pressburger movie, maybe just because it has that sort of I don't know, dreamy, old-fashioned Technicolor look to it, but it's so completely unlike any of the Powell Pressburger movies because it is, I don't know, for audiences at the time, it seemed to be pretty disturbing. And, you know, today it's kind of tame, but I can definitely see why people would be freaked out about it. I mean, it's, it's about a guy that, like, take pic- takes pictures of people while he's killing them or it's a camera right it's a a camera camera. it's a camera and he he films them and he has this like stabbing pole connected to the camera (laughs) so he films them while he's stabbing them and there are these shots where you know you see through his eyes these horrific images which i can totally see how that would freak out audiences it's a weird thing putting an audience in the perspective of a killer, I think. And I don't think it had really been done in a movie. And it's it's interesting that <laughs> it came out the same year as Psycho, because it, it's kind of similar. It, I think both movies sort of delved into the idea of what if just kind of this regular 
soft-spoken guy was actually a, a maniac. Yeah, it's it's, it's it's similar in the exploration of the serial killer's psyche. It's funny that like, there's no films like that before, but then one year there's two films that are like that. Yeah. But both good in, for, in, for different reasons. I, I think uh, the character Carl Bohm plays, I don't know, or whatever his name is, I think he has like another more German name. Like Carl Heinz Bohm. <laughs> but anyways, Carl Heinz Bohm is... Uh, <laughs> pretty sympathetic actually because he's this soft-spoken guy i i feel i feel like more so than norman bates even you kind of root for him but at the same time he's like yeah hey, he's killing people with this weird camera thing he even goes after that like blind chick right something like that i haven't seen him in a few right. years and it's like yeah that's, me too that's what that's pretty scary there's this blind woman around and there's this guy you know just the anticipation he's gonna kill her and it's just Ugh, but you kind of feel for him too. You kind of almost understand why he's doing it. But maybe I can understand. You know, it seems like this movie got a lot of backlash, yet Psycho didn't. I wonder. Yeah. If, I wonder if that's because we're like in this. This guy is like supposed to be our protagonist. Quotations for like the whole film. Like Norman Bates was always set up as kind of suspicious, but this guy we have to follow the whole way. I don't know if that's the reason, or if there's another reason why this movie is more controversial. Because uh, I feel like, I mean, I don't know if this is true, but Michael Powell didn't really have much of a career after this movie. Is that, yeah. he had a lot, he had a lot of trouble getting movies made. I feel like it, it definitely affected his career in a negative way. You're like, oh, that guy's fucked up. He just wants to do fucked up movies. <laughs> it's not he made money. the red shoes, but whatever. I feel like Peeping Tom almost kind of fell into obscurity too, but I want to say I read somewhere that Martin Scorsese was really, uh, uh, crucial in like getting this movie shown in the seventies and stuff, and like recognizing its greatness. He like mm-hmm. bought like the like original print and he's shown it in the seventies and stuff. So he's a it's great def- savior of this movie. Yeah, it's definitely a movie that doesn't quite have the rep of a lot of the other movies we're talking about. A lot of these movies are very much in the public consciousness, but not as much Peeping Tom, probably for that reason that people didn't discover it until many years later. I read yeah. somewhere that Martin Scorsese said that uh, this movie and Eight and a Half are like the two movies about filmmaking that you should see before, I don't know, he kills you. <laughs> I mean, that's a very interesting angle, too, the fact that it's it kind of makes the audience question what it is that draws them in about film when you have a guy doing these things but it's like you're still drawn into what's happening on screen through a camera definitely yeah I mean it's a good one I don't know if I'd put it in my top 10 I don't even know if I'd put it in my top 20 (laughs) so that's the only thing for me just other films I just like better it's not that this isn't good it is good it just I just like a few others better, so I don't know if it'll make the list, but I think it's definitely worth bringing it up. And I think we gave a lot more insight and discussion than when I reviewed it on the blog. Incredibly, just so poorly. I went back and read the review today. Typos everywhere, no insight, awful. I'm just, it's really funny how our our blog, I can really see the evolution of my writing. It started out really bad, and it's a little better now. (laughs) Uh, so I, it's good that we got this movie. It's moment in the sun, it, the bloody sun. Ah, oh, the bloody sun, like in Psycho. 
when kills maybe at the but maybe sun like Norman Bates is the sun he gets bloody maybe oh you're getting all homonomical on me yeah I did but as Sean pointed out we are talking about Rosemary's Baby now Roman Polanski about Psycho are we going to talk about Psycho a little bit um, or did we already talk about it enough? we touched on it touched on oh yeah we didn't, we didn't even mention the fact that there's toilets in this movie <laughs> go on flushing toilets flushing toilets I mean that's 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 groundbreaking shit that's right after like blazing saddles and farting go on uh, isn't blazing saddles the first movie to do fart no I meant so, to explain the toilets <laughs> Nancy, Nancy do you know what Sean's talking about with the toilet no. See, Sean, that's why you need to explain the toilet, not start talking about blazing saddles. <laughs> well, I wanted him to continue on the blazing saddles, but I guess John's running the show. Okay. Well, there's a scene in the movie when a character flushes something down the toilet, mm-hmm. and uh, toilets had previously been forbidden to be shown. By the Hayes Code. Oh. Yeah, oh, the Hayes Code. I think so. Fucking thing. There's restrictions on what you can show in film, so this is the first film to have a flushing toilet. I find it interesting that's the first thing you decide to put out, but (laughs) it's it's important. It's it's definitely important in its own way. It's just one of the main not one of the main. What am I talking about? One of the one of the reasons this movie is cutting edge. Sorry, (laughs) he's that again. One of the main reasons (laughs) because the toilet. I think yeah, one of the top two or three. Reasons to see Psycho is that, but no, Psycho was a real uh, departure from Hitchcock. I, th- I think in that it was a lot darker than his other films, a lot more unconventional than maybe some of them. It wasn't really like a mystery or sleuth type thing. It was about a guy who has a hotel and he likes to kill people, and we lose our protagonist in mid progress. Spoiler, sorry, but I feel like everybody knows that because of the infamous shower scene. Pretty iconic sequence. Pretty scary. Classic. And Anthony Perkins is fantastic in this. As all yeah. sorts of different people. Yeah, but none of them that I like as much as him. But yeah. <laughs> it's got one of, it's one of the few like older horror movies that's got a scene that I feel like most people jump out of their seats the first time they see it. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, which... What when Martin talking? Balsam's coming up the stairs, and then... And when he gets <laughs> mom, pushed? Mom just comes straight out of the door, and the music just turns up way loud. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. I thought you were talking about his stair fall. Is that... Well, that's part of the whole scene. Yeah, because in my experience, most people laugh at the stair fall now. Do they? <laughs> it's, it's still pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I watched it. I watched this movie in a Hitchcock class, and everybody jumped out of their seat at that that point, which was pretty cool considering. Yeah, young and jaded. It's it's great too that a movie from 1960 can still scare people. I love that, and I just love all the choices he made. The fact that he did it in black and white. The the fact that it it's violent, the way it's edited. It's just it's all done in such a creative way. Uh. And it kind of launched, I mean, I guess it didn't really, I was going to say it launched slasher movies, but it took another 18 years before that really caught on. But I guess you could say this is like the first like real one in a way. 
It planted the seed. Mm, it planted it, exactly. That's a perfect way of putting it. And just thematically, there's so much going on. I feel Plus, it finally turned America against taxidermy once and for all. <laughs> Shit is weird. Stop it. I don't care that you loved it and or killed it. Get it out of here. Yeah, Anthony Perkins, Norman Bates is just a great character. You know, he's kind of this... He just seems like this kind of lovable schmuck, but then he's got such a dark psyche and such so many problems. I think he's a great character. I think he's one of the greatest horror movie characters, if not the greatest, maybe. Off the top of my head, I don't, I don't know. It's just a shame that Anthony Perkins never really could had another role that was quite as interesting as this one or I guess it, I guess if you're gonna have one you know big iconic role this is a good one to have because yeah. they made sequels to Psycho it took a while but that happened and, and uh, it, we didn't talk about it but the score pretty important oh definitely uh, I guess Colin kind of talked about it when he talked about them really turning up the volume at that part. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, I feel like Psycho really makes the case for how important music is to, to movies, especially horror films. Definitely. Um, you know, that, the famous shower scene. A lot of the work is, is done by the editing, but the, having the, those terrifying, screeching uh, violins adds a lot. Oh, yes. It just freaks me out thinking about how that, the shrillness of it and everything. <laughs> yeah. Unsettling. I, I, I almost feel intimidated talking about Psycho because I love it so much. Well, we have a Hitch, Hitchcock podcast coming up, so we'll, we'll get to talk That's about That's right, it yeah. If you're interested in the production of Psycho, there's a fictionalized account of that coming soon. That's right. So why don't we save the rest of our Psycho discussion for then and go to the film that I jumped ahead to earlier. (laughs) So excited. Apparently. Rosemary's Baby. Uh, Colin, you put this on here? Yep. This is another one, I don't know, maybe kind of like Bride of Frankenstein, where I guess I like it because it delves into maybe a lot of elements that aren't necessarily horror themed. I mean, it's a lot about sort of urban alienation, paranoia. I I really love the fact that the movie kind of preys on the fact that it's about how in a big city, you know, people are just stacked on top of each other. They're they're living just all around each other, but you don't really know your neighbors. They, They could be into some really weird shit. And this is a film that I love because you never know exactly if the neighbors are into the weird shit or not. You don't know if, you know, Mia Farrow's character is going crazy or not. You're kind of sitting through the whole movie not knowing why. And when that ending comes, it's like, oh, fuck. (laughs) And and I love that. (laughs) Oh, fuck. That, that's what I was like. Yeah, I agree with that. I, th- I think you had some interesting points about the isolation 
despite being in a crowded area. And also, it's just a great razor-sharp kind of thriller. Because I feel like that's where Roman Plancy kind of got his, his start, was with movies with, like, repulsion and, and knife in the water. Pretty good uh, Polish thrillers. I can't imagine that as a big genre. But, uh, <laughs> and what's interesting is, I bet this is so much better than what it almost was, because uh, William Castle, horror director, originally wanted to direct this movie. He was known for making House on Haunted Hill, The Tingler, 13 Ghosts, these over-the-top, uh, campy horror movies. He, he just ended up being producer, and I think he has a cameo. But it's like, would this movie have been good if he did it? It probably have been pretty goofy. Maybe Vincent Price would have been in it. So it's really, it, it's really cool that we got to be something else. I think my only problem with this movie is I feel like there's so much build-up to the baby and I feel like some people may be disappointed by how this movie ends and I know that's not really the point of like I don't see I don't want to spell anything but I feel disappointed like there was a build up to something that I didn't get to see you know that sounds uh, fine but <laughs> I, I feel like I mean it definitely ends in a disturbing note and that's good but no, I mean, for, for me, it was weird. It, it felt like there was missing one thing, or it needed a big twist or something. I mean, maybe you could say it's twist. I don't know. Uh, I enjoy it. I certainly enjoy it. But I don't think I like it quite as much as you do. Has anyone else seen this? Nope. nope. It's going to be a tricky one. Yeah, well, maybe. We'll keep, it, we'll keep it for now. It's definitely one of my favorite horror movies, but... Okay. Let's move on. Sean? Of the Dead? Is you put this on here. Ah, uh, yeah. Maybe that's... No, I think I put another one on here. Uh, Sean of the Dead. Maybe... Maybe too much for comedy? For this list? Mm, it, it, it fits. It's, I feel like when I watched it, I, I was surprised how not comedic it was and how it was... Kind of serious. I think. I, know, I didn't think it was that funny, but maybe that's just because I didn't like it that much. I think it finds perfect balance. It really reminds me of his uh, Edgar Wright in Simon Pegg's show, Spaced, except now with zombies. It's like an extension of that. And I, what I think, I, what I love about this movie so much is it, it has this commentary on how we're all just kind of stuck in our own deadbeat lives, and we wouldn't even notice if a zombie invasion happened because. We're just off of doing our own stupid stuff. Yeah, we're all so stuck in the routine. Yeah, that it just slowly kind of happens. And this movie's just so layered with jokes and recurring jokes and visual gags. And I love it. I think it's a great script. But then what I find really interesting is that it's also incredibly layered with, like, homages to horror movies. Everything, like names of restaurants are named after horror directors or... The, the electronic story works, and I think is like Forey Electronics, like Ken Forey from Keenan and Kel, and Gullah Island, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> you just wait, guys. You're going to be blown away. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's like, they really must have spent some time on this. They didn't just, you know, just jot some, some stuff down and make a movie. They put in so much, and it's filled... I feel like you can really appreciate it as a horror fan, but you don't have to be. You can just, you know, I want to have some dumb fun. I'll put it on, and you can enjoy it. You can enjoy it on so many different levels. Um, I don't know if I'd put it on the list just because I... 
it's it's more recent, and I feel like, ooh, man, it's, it's, it's weird to put that on here, and I don't know that's one of the ten greatest horror movies ever made. It's certainly a good one. Uh, but It's one of those ones that... That the public is all about, or not? I don't know. Maybe not the general public, but like Geek the IMDb culture. going public <laughs> is all about movie nerds, basically. Yeah, which is which is good because it is a movie made for movie nerds. Um, exactly. But I, I, I really love it. I, it's really funny to me, and I haven't even seen that many horror movies. I don't think. Just, just the little things like. You know, their group's sneaking around and they run into another group of survivors that's, like, exactly the same as them, just slightly different. Yeah. That's great. It has a lot of great visual gags, too. And there's that weird thing they keep always talking about, whether dogs can look up. It's like this bizarre recurring joke that isn't there for whatever reason. So many memorable gags in there. I love it when they're outside the pub and all the zombies are approaching, and then Nick Frost gets, like, a phone call. <laughs> it's like, who's calling him right now? And then, he, and then all the zombies, you know, hear the ringtone, and they're, like, looking at him. And he's like, oh, he's on his phone. He's like, yeah, man, I can't really talk right now. No. <laughs> uh, Nick Frost is great as Ed, Sean's deadbeat friend. He's just total comic relief. They're a great uh, comedy duo. Uh, they, they went on to do Hot Fuzz, which is another great uh, comedy movie from them and Edgar Wright. And their third in the trilogy, which they called the Blood and Ice Cream Trilogy, is coming out next year. And that's about the apocalypse. So I look forward to that. It's because all those films have blood and ice cream. They'll have Cornetto, which is an, uh, a British ice cream in it. Yeah, it's kind of All like, sorts of stuff. Uh, drumsticks. No, it's like chicken. Like Man, I don't know why I want to bring this up, but in Hot Fuzz, I totally love how there's this goose that's wandering around in Hot Fuzz that is connected. That same goose is in, like, 28 weeks later. Like, this, those movies are connected by this goose. Like, that's a real thing. <laughs> so you could use it in, like, yeah. Yeah. What's it called? Sorry. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> the what you call, yeah, the what you call. Uh, like Kevin Bacon game, you know. Oh. Degrees. <laughs> totally use the goose. The goose? Yeah. You totally could. I love that. Good thing I delivered it so well. <laughs> <laughs> God. It's all about timing. Now all I can think of it as the <laughs> goose joke. Wasn't that like Stephen Merchant? He like lost his, he was the goose guy in Hot Fuzz. Oh, Yeah. I think he it was, like a, yeah. He had, like, a really, really ridiculous name, too, so they thought it was a prank call, but then it was, like, real. <laughs> His goose escaped, and apparently is over where there are zombie people, too, and 28 weeks later. But no, great. Shaun of the Dead, great British comedy horror movie. It was interesting when I first saw it because uh, I saw it two months before it came out in theaters. I went to Scarecrow Video in Seattle and got it on Chinese DVD, Except it had Chinese subtitles. I'm like, I don't know how to fuck turn these off. Everything's in Chinese. So we watched it with Chinese subtitles. Still good. <laughs> and no weird subliminal Chinese things. That you're aware of yet. <laughs> Someday it's just going to be activated within. I'm going to wake up and I'm going to like kill someone that Chinese people hate. Yeah. 
I, who could that possibly be? Like you. <laughs> Why would awaken something good just to kill myself? Or oh, Chinese people hate you. They hate, they hate you as an American. I learned so much. Well, maybe if they got to know me, you know. No. Take a shine to me. That's the thing. The shining. See, that's what's great about our, or what's bad about our transitions is we always draw attention to the fact we just made them. Oh, you just made a transition. So someday it'll be seamless. This, we won't even know what we're doing. This is a Stanley Kubrick movie. And uh, Mr. Kubrick, if you're listening, I'm available for your next film. Casting. <laughs> Are you, like, poking fun at, like, that Kubrick actor guy on the internet? Have you ever seen that? Yeah, that's great. I don't think so. There's this video of this guy from the 80s. It's when they were, like, they announced they're making Full Metal Jacket. And he's like, Mr. Kubrick, I am an actor. He's, like, this college guy. <laughs> he's he's awful. He's awful. But he talks, like, really theatrical. He's, like, master thespian. <laughs> but that guy's all right. They, like, found him later. Like in modern times, and he's like, he has, he, he knows it's, it's ridiculous. He has, he has a sense of humor about it. Well, I actually saw him. That they got sucks. him on Tosh Point oh, and they actually got him apart on an episode of Cougar Town. <laughs> <laughs> no, he is really like that though. In that, he was. He still talked like that. Oh, oh. is he like British? Or Sorry no. to no, destroy the. Uh, sense of reality that Tosh.0 had created. But no. I don't know what to believe in, but I, I can believe in The Shining being a good movie. Um, not a great adaptation. I've never actually really read the story, but I know certain things about it. Um, I know Stephen King didn't like The Shining at first, but I think he's warmed up to it over time just because even though it may not be a great adaptation, it's still a pretty damn good movie. And interesting in its own uh, themes and everything. Colin, I seem to recall one time you said this is like your favorite horror movie. I don't. Is that still true? You know, <laughs> I don't know. It's pretty... Looking at the list of these movies, it's certainly among my favorite. It's uh, just a movie that I like because it doesn't really go for scares. It, it does go for this atmosphere that you keep talking about. I feel like this movie has like the ultimate atmosphere. It's just so creepy. Every time I watch it, it's just like it's almost chill inducing. It's like the temperature in the room <laughs> lowers just from watching this movie. And almost the added psychological factor that it could be like Jack Nicholson could be like imagining all of this. He could be, maybe, because he's pretty crazy. Maybe. Um, of course his son talks to an imaginary friend Tony, Red Rum, and all that stuff, but, uh, I mean, aside from that, it's mostly all Jack Nicholson causing the chaos, um, but there's some interesting stuff Scat going Man on. Scatman Crothers it up bit himself. I guess, yeah, him, he's got The Shining, which is basically psychic powers, so that, yeah, <laughs> You mean by fucks shit up? He tries to save the day. He tries to. But, but if he wasn't, like, talking about the shit in the first place, maybe things would turn out differently. I don't think so. I think he was bound to go insane, regardless. I was really sad when they killed Scatman. He, yeah, that character didn't die in the book. It was uh, unnecessary. I also like that no one ever, on in the whole world, has tried to learn that character's name. 
Red. <laughs> it's red, right? <laughs> I think it's just more fun to say Scatman. Scatman. I bet there's a video on YouTube of Scatman Crothers 2. I'm a Scatman. I'm glad to hear that. It's like clips of him in The Shining and Transformers, because he was jazz, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah, Jack Nicholson pretty much pones this movie. He's pretty, uh, he's pretty great. I think the only thing I could knock against it is the fact that it's like, man, he's pretty crazy even before they get there. Like, in the original story, it was more of this kind of normal guy who, fueled by things like his alcoholism and the spirits and whatnot, was forced to this dark side. Jack Nicholson seems like he's on the dark side already. He seems a little off, yeah. But that's a thing, like, that's great about it in the Stanley Kubrick version is he's just scary the whole time, so you're really interested in seeing where that will go. I mean, him just typing the same shit on, like, a piece of paper, pieces of paper for days and days out, that's pretty damn disturbing. Uh, I really love that. And how this movie ends on this, the shot... Uh, I won't spoil it if you haven't seen this movie, but it has an incredibly disturbing ending. I don't really know what to make of it. Uh, probably caused countless uh, in-depth conversations. This comes up a lot in film classes, I've noticed, actually. I mean, maybe in a few <laughs> I've had. People like talking about the weird imagery and what it means. And I like talking about it as well. Yeah. I, that photograph is the most confusing thing. Because <laughs> you think, you know, this is just really weird, but you can wrap your head around it. And then you get that last curveball. And you're like, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> I thought I had it all figured out. He 2001'd me again. <laughs> Boom, 2001. <laughs> oh, yeah. Gangnam Style starts playing. <laughs> Sounds like a sweet internet video. Maybe. Done mm. right way. <laughs> uh, you just haven't seen it yet. I feel like Gangnam Style's done. No, I'm, I'm still into it. <laughs> <laughs> Where did I hear it the other day? Oh, I heard it at a high school football game. Oh, no, 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 no. It's no. done. I heard it at... No, I heard it at the... Uh, at the MMA fight I covered. It's pretty funny. Do they dance? People. Well, you know, they have like the stripper ladies. Uh, I don't know if you... I don't know anything about ultimate it. fighting. <laughs> Alright, well, they do. And one of them was like totally doing the dance. And I was like, yeah, she knows what's up. Well, I feel like Gundam style's done if macho MMA guys are into it. When it's like a thing created by the internet and nerds on the internet. We took this conversation to way scarier places. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just buying time. What do you think size next single will be out? I don't care. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to take that brief <laughs> silence before you answer it as a cue to start talking about the silence of the lambs. Which is scary because of hidden penises. <laughs> They're everywhere. You, you, you just never know when one's just going to pop out at you. Gotcha. 
Gotcha, bitch. Dick. See, uh, see, Sean, this is one of the movies that confuses me on where to draw the line from horror and thriller. Um, I think my personal definition of each is a horror... You're, like, let's say you're in a haunted house or something. You really don't know what's going to happen. You're just walking around, and then something jumps out and scares you and totally surprises you. A thriller, the audience has some idea of what's going to happen or... Or, like, don't go into that door. I know that there's a guy behind it. Like, in Science of the Lambs, you have Clary Starling going to... How was his name? Was it Wild Bill? What was his name? Buffalo Bill. Buffalo Bill, excuse me. She goes to Buffalo Bill's place. She doesn't know he's a killer. The audience knows, and we know what's going on in there. So we're like, don't go in there. I feel like that's a thriller. I feel like a horror movie's different. I mean, maybe that's just my perception of the whole thing. I mean, it is my perception of the whole thing, but that's what I use to judge the difference... Dramatic so, irony. So, I don't know. This is one I, I, I don't quite consider a horror film, though I, I know many people do. What do you, what do you guys think? Um, I don't know. I feel like it's... <sighs> did you cut out or is that real science? You didn't prepared as a rebuttal, did you? What? Did you have guard with that? I'm not sure how to define... Thriller at all. Thriller, suspense, same thing. Um, because I feel like, to me, a thriller movie is a little more action-packed than something like, like Silence of the Lambs. Where, I mean, theoretically, there could be a lot more fighting, but it just never works out that way. I mean... I mean a thriller more in the vein a thriller suspense movie is like a mystery while a horror movie is usually not a mystery. That's what I use to separate the two. And this is one that... I mean, if you guys are cool with it being a horror movie, that's fine. I'm just saying I see it as a suspense thriller. And to me, there is a difference. There's certain movies that I wouldn't say are horror movies but are scary, like Seven. I wouldn't say Seven is a horror movie per se, but it's definitely pretty scary. Um... So, yeah, I mean, that's that's just how I feel. If you guys want to go the other way, that's fine. <sighs> you got to give me something to work with. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like with a horror film, I mean, to call something a horror film, just on a base level, it has to be a movie that is designed to shock or, or unsettle you in some way. And, and I feel like Silence of the Land does that with with a, both Hannibal Lecter as this creepy, hyper-intelligent cannibal and also uh, Buffalo Bill, just insane serial killer. I mean, their crimes are, are, are creepy, but most criminals are. I That's why I see it more as a crime-type thing. Yeah, I suppose. I just I guess it their crimes go into sort of a more grotesque uh, area than than the killings in most uh, just regular thrillers. Although I guess Seven does, and I wouldn't consider that a horror movie. Yeah, I don't know. Then again, I mean, you could even go back and start use my own argument against me for Psycho, because you pretty much know. Like, I mean, after, 
uh, uh, Janet Lee is killed, I mean, and people are investigating the murder, you we all know that Norman Bates is a murderer. No one else does. That makes it a thriller, I guess. So then again, maybe what I'm saying is bullshit. It's just well, I don't know. Do you really know that Norman Bates is the, because they set it up as the fact that uh, Norman Bates' mother is killing these people. Good point. He's trying to stop her, and that's the whole. I don't want to give away the ending. Yeah. Dancing, okay. Well, but... then maybe my maybe my point still holds some weight. Well, uh, but yeah. in in Bride of Frankenstein, you you know everyone. You know exactly what's going on the whole movie. Yeah, I mean that that one's such a weird case where it's kind of just a horror movie because it stars Frankenstein. Well, I feel like that's the, about it. <laughs> I, I I didn't say that the fact that it's a surprise is the only thing that makes it a horror movie. I said that's the difference between a horror movie and a thriller. There's obviously other kinds of horror movies. It can be a horror movie because it plays maybe with the supernatural, or in that case, reanimation of the dead. Other themes. Yeah. Uh, this one does play with some dark stuff. Uh, Silence of the Lambs, as you know, gross, taking off people's skin. That's pretty grotesque. Um, and I guess it's. You could say it's a serial killer movie. Serial killers are scary. I, I can consider it a horror movie for this. I just wanted to um, kind of pick at it. Cause Where would you put Godzilla? Oh, my God. I don't even know. Is that like a disaster movie? I'd say Godzilla is a sci-fi movie. Because it, it has to do with science gone wrong. Science horror. I mean, that... that See, that gets even more confusing because there's the whole atomic shit subgenre in the 50s. Movies with giant, you know, monsters created from radiation. They're monsters, but the basis of their creation is purely from science. <sighs> so it's it's a good question, John. I I can't give you a definite answer. I'd say sci-fi, but it it's you know I don't think there's a wrong answer for that. God, I've never been so like conflicted on genre right now. <laughs> it's a fine line. But I'm really interested in exploring that line. Though I may not like what I find. I, I guess I'm th- when I'm thinking about Sons of the Lambs, I don't really think of a, of dread. I think I'm coming over to your side, John. <laughs> I think Hannibal Lecter is freaky, but he's mm-hmm. not. He's not the same kind of monster as, as you would get in a, in a horror film. You're not quite scared of him. You're more kind of fascinated by him. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. I think it, it builds suspense for different reasons. Um, yeah, it's a very interesting movie, though. I, you know, I think that part of its greatness is I always like to say, I think the best movies blur the lines of genre they defy genre you're not really sure where to put them and I think this is a really good movie um, but yeah maybe it won't make the list because of some of these conflicting ideals so let's just move on And unless we didn't really talk anything about the specifics of the movie <laughs> everyone knows Hannibal Lecter trying to help Clear Starling catch a killer that takes large women and then starves them and wears their skin Basic, simple. Yeah, party. <laughs> and it had some sequels that weren't too good, and they're based off books. Oh, kind of like the next movie. Uh, takes a chance on Massacre. Wait, how is it like? Does it, it have, have some bad pretty sequels? terrible sequels? Yeah, that's true. 
Texas Chainsaw Massacre all started with when Toby Hooper was in a convenience, no, it was like a warehouse or something store, huge crowd. He's like, how could I get out of this crowd right now? He looks over to a chainsaw, boom, I got the idea for Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, I think the surprising thing for most people right off the bat about Texas Chainsaw Massacre is this isn't a particularly violent film. It is not a slasher film by any means. I'd say this is a psychological horror film. It's basically about these kids um, driving through backwoods Texas, and they run into these weird backwater Texas folk who have a house covered with bones. They got the skin, you know, the Ed Gein stuff going on in their house. And they are very interested in meat, and they make their meat from people, as we find out. And probably the most bizarre member of this family is Leatherface, who's like this big, mentally disabled guy who wears the skin of people as a mask, and he chases after people with a chainsaw. Um, yeah, you know, <laughs> But I respect this movie, I watch it every year, so much as an independent film, because I think it accomplishes so much on that level. I think it was one of the most successful independent films of its time when it came out. Um, it's very scary. It's pretty well acted. Uh, at least the family, they're very bizarre and interesting. You kind of like them. They're kind of funny, but they're also very morbid. It's. I keep coming back to I like to say it's atmospheric. It's got very creepy, dissonant soundtrack to it. It, it just plays out in a way I don't think you expect it to when you go in. You expect this, oh, he's going to go around chasing him with a chainsaw. That's not what happens. You don't really see anyone die with a chainsaw. It's more about these creepy Texas folk getting into your head and torturing you psychologically. And for that, I really appreciate it. Yeah. This movie... They're just insane. <laughs> Like this, this whole family—they're the craziest group of characters. Uh, it has a really memorable dinner sequence towards the end of the film that is just really unsettling and spooky because you, you kind of realize there's like no these these innocent people just walked into this hive of. Insanity. Insanity. And, and they're fucked. They yeah, I, I, anything. that scene is like one of those things where it's like you almost feel uncomfortable for the people. You just, there's no place on earth you would rather not be than at that dinner table with those people. Uh, there's just something unsettling about backwoods twisted southern people i mean <laughs> deliverance definitely played into that too around the same time it, it almost became like a genre i suppose redneck <laughs> exploitation <laughs> uh but yeah i mean this family there's leatherface there's the the patriarch of the family this old man who's like always kind of laughing at when they're like torturing the girl with the knife and then there's the hitchhiker of the family, he's got this gross scar, and he's always laughing and talking about head cheese. And they have this like weird corpse-like grandfather. You're like, is he alive? <laughs> he kind of is. He drinks blood. He's just like this corpse that sits in the corner. Um, the dinner sequence is pretty, uh, pretty classic horror stuff. Especially when you hear about, when you read about everything that went into making that. It was like 110 degrees in that room. They had rotted meat all over the table. 
Um, there's a scene where they had to cut the girl's hand. They messed up. They accidentally cut her. She had real blood running down. <laughs> Everyone was miserable. But I think they pulled off a movie that, considering these were independent people, really no budget, no association with any major film companies, I think they pulled off something real good, and it's still really scary, I think, after all these years. I think it's still pretty effective. Um, yeah, I mean, I know some people are kind of disappointed when they see this movie because they, they go in with different expectations. They expect a different kind of movie. <laughs> yeah, I want to see him chop some bitches up. It's said they get this bizarre, weird dinner stuff sequence. P- people just like berating her and just yelling at her, kind of torturing her, but weird torture. Like they cut her hand, they give the corpse like uh, grandfather a hammer and like beat her over that. You can do it. He can't even move. He's like practically dead. He can't do it. Yes. They like so they have to hold his hand for him to get her get to hit the hammer. It's very. God, it's yeah, it's one of the scarier ones I think on this list for me, and I like to check it out every year. I have a super sweet special edition. <laughs> it's like comes in this metal tin case, and it's uh, it's an essential to Halloween. So should we get to list making? Let's do it. Do some chopping. I hate to do it, but I say Dr. Caligari maybe. Yeah, sure. And next. Maybe due to your heart comp, I'm thinking maybe Peeping Tom. And yeah, none of these are that due to my heart. And <laughs> I mean, then, like we said we're not as big horror movie guys as you. And then Shaun of the Dead, just because it's it, it's very comedic. It's great comedy horror movie, but yeah. So how many do we have now? We have twelve. Twelve. Okay. I guess we gotta well, cut one of the deads. We could we could lump them together. Do it, do it. I you know what I'm saying. I'm all for it. I feel like we're doing a bit too much lumping these days. Just call it well. here, here. What about this? Call it the Dead series. No, so all of them. <laughs> eh. Third one's pretty good. Yeah, but no, me and Charlie like seeing those two. Fair enough. Now we got eleven. Man, I really want to get Texas Chainsaw on there. I don't know how everyone else felt about that because I never found out after we watched it that one time if you guys like liked it. I never knew. It was like, <laughs> did everyone enjoy that? Or yeah, okay, good. It's not a film I'd sit down and watch once a year, but this is good. I don't know if I'd see it again. Yeah, it's kind of my issue with horror movies is most of them are like, do I really want to? be as weird endure that yeah well we can go two ways with this I see we can go with cutting all uh, most of the comedy by cutting one of the other comedic type horror movies like American Werewolf in London Mm -hmm. or we can go and cut I don't really like to do this but Rosemary's Baby just because me and Colin have seen it but I don't think anyone else has but I know Colin really likes it so I really want to keep it so Maybe I like it better than. That's fair. We'll keep a it. A few of these. <laughs> yeah. I like it better than say Evil Dead. <sighs> That's tough. Oh, but shit. it's it's weird because like such they're going for such different types of things. Rosemary's Baby's a very artfully made horror film, I think. And it's so like it's paced way slower and way differently than Evil Dead, which is just 
so in your face, but it's, it's super entertaining. Hmm. Well, just to get like a feel of the group, let me ask you something, Sean. Evil Dead 2 or American Werewolf? Evil just, Dead 2. Evil Dead 2, interesting. But you probably like, I mean, both of those more than Texas Chainsaw, which I think most people probably do. I'm just really fighting to get it on the list. <laughs> yeah, uh, if you ask me to watch all of these movies, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre would be the bottom of my list. <laughs> but you only saw it the one time, right? So yeah. if you saw it again, maybe. Passionate are you guys about Halloween? Not that passionate. Okay, I could I, like t- I could take off Halloween. Alright. It just feels weird because this is our Halloween podcast. Doesn't matter. Just because it's named after the holiday doesn't <laughs> Bonus points. Bonus I was points. I was just trying to get Texas Chainsaw on there. You can put that at ten. I've seen uh, Friday the 13th, but I've never seen Nightmare on Elm Street. I don't like Friday the 13th, personally. I didn't like it either! <laughs> <laughs> there we go. I think that movie is incredibly melodramatic. I think the twist sucks. The kills aren't that good. Incredibly overrated. Now everyone can hate me who likes that movie, but I, I stand by it. I don't think it's a good movie. <laughs> so should we just do Rosemary's Baby at nine then? Since I kind of feel that way. Yeah. Sean hasn't seen it. John's not. I like. I like it. On it. He likes. It. And for all I know, Nancy's not even here. He's wrangling cats. Um, since Nancy's seen American Werewolf in London, do we want to put Evil Dead Two next? Or or at least part of it. You've seen Allegedly. you've seen all of American Werewolf. Oh yeah, that, oh, never mind. You are correct. We never talked about the blob. <laughs> classic. I feel like everything we remembered, we talked about it that another time. I can't remember what podcast that was. Sci-fi, maybe. Sean, you can just edit that conversation in here, right? I'm not going to do that. I already have way too much editing to do. My thing keeps stop. It like it it keeps having an error and it stops recording. Okay, well, all right. It's going to be fun on bun, to quote uh, Bender from Futurama. Uh, Evil Dead 2 would be higher on my list. Okay. Is that not true of everyone else? Um, I don't know. It's pretty funny. It's pretty damn entertaining. This is really hard for me right now. It, I, I'm welcome to anyone, anyone shouting anything out right now. Would be nice. I mean, yeah, for the next Gangnam one. Style. No, not that. Um, <laughs> I, I think that the next has got to be either Evil Dead or American Werewolf in London, I think. Or what, the other ones are pretty heavy hitters. Especially when you have, like, I almost said Night of the Living Dead, but I'm like, oh wait, but that's got two movies. Two on movies, it. bro. You chose this. I don't know, maybe we should put those two movies, The Night the Dead's next. I mean, I don't know, it's tough. It could definitely be lower. I just feel but like... But how low? Uh, I'm just... 
I'm getting a lot of enthusiasm for American Wealth in London and Evil Dead 2. I mean, it seems like we all like those a good deal. Yeah, I, yeah. I would put them above probably... Well, I'd at least put Evil Dead 2 above American Werewolf in London. Do you want to do American Wealth in London next? I could live with that. I just don't know where to put in the dead films yet. Uh, I guess higher, because they're two. <laughs> yeah. And Dawn and Night are both pretty damn good. So then I say we either go Evil Dead or The Dead movies. <laughs> that was confusing. <laughs> Where is The Exorcist going to end up on this? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's pretty. It's it's pretty big classic. But are you guys like really crazy about it? No. <laughs> if you want to do Exorcist next, Sean, I'll support you. But I don't know what everyone else would think about that. It's probably my favorite of the list. I feel like it's gotta be high. I like it quite a bit. It's it's funny that the two atheists are not as about it. <laughs> yeah, I think. Well, we have Christian backgrounds, I guess. I, Maybe that's I think why that I'm definitely so plays into my fear of it anyways. Yeah, I mean, definitely growing up, I just still, like, I might not There is something inherently just, scary about yeah. Satan, the devil, all yeah. that biblical shit. Yeah. And it's probably scarier if you've dealt with it firsthand. Going to Sunday school and shit. Well, I like that episode of Louie. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that should be on the list. <laughs> um, how do you guys feel about Alien just because it was already on another list and did pretty well on that list? And I guess we've all, we've all seen it, though, so that's a big plus. Pretty about Alien. Yeah, okay. I don't think that should affect. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Just trying to make progress. You say I, just Evil Dead 2 or the... Zombie Romero movies next. I don't really care the order. Sean, I'll let you choose the order, and I'll support you. <laughs> I'll probably put the dead movies because there's two of them, and they're that makes both sense to me. They're both landmark, uh, at least zombie movies, if not horror films in general. Well, well Evil Dead Two is just a, just good. I don't think it really changed the game for anyone except for maybe Bruce Campbell. <laughs> okay, what next? This is uh, tricky. I have no idea which one of these is my favorite. <laughs> I know of these, The Exorcist is my least favorite. Yeah, I'm, I like The Exorcist too. I guess me and Sean are in that camp of not as crazy about it, but it's pretty iconic, and it seems like the other half of the team is pretty bad at it, so it'll probably be a little higher. So what does the other half of the team like the least? I mean, I could put Alien lower just because it is kind of a sci-fi movie. Maybe it doesn't fit the mold of the classic horror movie as much as these others. Whether that matters, I don't know. Well, I don't think Bride of Frankenstein does, either. No, not really. But Frankenstein does. And they're coupled. Yep. I don't know, we can put the actions just lower. That's what it's come down to. 
Have you uh, seen all these? Everybody? I haven't seen Frankenstein or Bride of Frankenstein. Oh my god, I really... Just someone make the list and I'll agree with you. <laughs> no, we got... I'm, I'm down for stolen. Working on something. <laughs> okay, well... I feel like... Okay. Shining is is not next. No. Psycho is not next. No. It's gotta be those three. Alien Exorcist or the Frankenstein movies, I think. So with that in mind, Colin, mm-hmm. where do you stand on Exorcist versus the Frankensteins? Uh, probably like the Frankensteins a bit more. And how about? I don't know. I'm I'm also inflating Alien because I'm all about Alien. <laughs> I, I would put Exorcist next, then the Frankensteins, then Alien. I give all my votes to Sean, so... <laughs> yes! <laughs> uh, I'm feeling most of what you say, Sean. Fine. Do it. Um, but I have no idea how to choose between Psycho and <laughs> the Shining. Psycho or the Shining. Gut check. Colin. John. What? Just gut check. <laughs> Between Psycho and The Shining. You gotta get someone to punch you in the gut and then say whatever. Uh, I'd probably go Psycho. Personally. Mm, I don't care. Psycho. Matt? Uh, I haven't. Actually, yeah, I lied. I haven't seen any of those. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see those on the I mean, you gotta see The Shining After you guys talking about it yeah, I feel like I have more history with The Shining I'd probably go with The Shining It's good It just, It'll just always be slightly tainted by the fact that Stephen King doesn't like it But I don't think that should matter Yeah, it doesn't bother me at all What do you think, Cole? Uh, I'd probably go with The Shining like barely. Well, uh, let's do it like that. I guess you're the tiebreaker, because Nancy's has to abstain. <laughs> Fuck. We didn't even consider the Stephen Weber shining. <laughs> I assume it's just as good. I, I thought Stephen King was all about that one because it's more faithful. Uh, yeah, but no one else was. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Hey. We made it, guys. Our top ten horror movies. I didn't make it. We made it. He died. It's all of our fault. Uh, number ten, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Number nine, Rosemary's Baby. Number eight, An American Werewolf in London. Number seven, uh, Evil Dead 2. Subtitle I forgot. Uh, number six, uh, The Night of the Living Dead. And also... Don the Dead. Uh, number five, The Exorcist. Number four, Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein, uh, which is incorrectly titled. Uh, number three, Alien. Number two, Psycho. And number one, The Shining. 
if you want to tell us what we got wrong, what we got right, I would recommend going over to mildlyplease.com or maybe sending an email to uh, whatever our email address is. Uh, oh, yeah, t3 at mildlyplease.com. Or, um... Write a review on iTunes. Someone's got to do it eventually. I don't want to. Do it. Uh, until then, uh, have a happy and, and spectacular Halloween and uh, staying new to your at the Lachman Country Club. They served a real nice brisket and an eight-foot party sub. I danced with my cousins. I got money from my folks. Had a lot of fun making circumcision jokes. Uh -uh. Then I remembered the premise of my song. I was at a nice reception, but the werewolf part was gone. So we pulled ourselves together and we're wolfmen again. Just in time for Monster Fight to begin. No. All the country club employees were brain-sucking pack. Who had all turned into zombies and were on the attack. No. So we fought them and some Draculas and Frankensteins, too. Cause you gotta love Bar Mitzvah even if you're not a There's no such thing as Frankenstein. scary. No Boys becoming men. Men becoming wolves. Werewolf Bar Mitzvah. Hairy boys becoming men, men becoming wolves. I don't want this. I don't like this. This is scary. Turning into werewolves and stuff. You know? I don't know, Trey. I'm not feeling it. This ain't no dick in the box. Mazel tov.